Welcome to the Rediscover Italy podcast, a place for you to relive, revisit, and rediscover your love of Italy. My name is Cassandra Santoro. And I'm Laura Thayer, and we're your hosts for this podcast that takes our shared love of Italy in all of its many forms and brings it to you. In this episode, we're excited to take you to a lesser-known part of Italy and introduce you to Virginia Di Caetano, an Italian-American who has lived in Italy for seven years. Virginia has lived there along with her husband, Mark Medina Rios, who you'll meet on an upcoming episode, and together they run Via Medina. Uh, Via Medina is a private chef and concierge team providing tailor-made experiences focusing on the foods that make Italy so unique and the people behind the recipes. And along with that, Virginia is also the assistant editor and contributor to Italics magazine, where she shares her incredible talents as a storyteller, covering everything from culture and in-depth interviews to Italian politics in a way that helps us all understand what's actually going on here. And we thank you so much for all of that, Ginger. <laughs> thank you. Hello. Thank you for what an introduction. I'm honored. <laughs> we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about politics. We should settle in, but no, let's not. Let's not. Who wants to do that? <laughs> Ginger, we have so much to discuss with you, but uh, we'll try not to overwhelm you with quite so many questions. But we do want to start out with the one that everybody probably asks you, and that's what brought you to Italy you know, from the beginning, seven years ago, what brought you here? Uh, so everyone does ask, but that's okay. Because, you know, I think I, <laughs> I might get bored of it. I think other people do want to know it. And they do want to know particularly why we came to the area of Italy that we, that we came to. Often I must say that people will ask me, oh, well, you married an Italian, right? And I say, no, actually, my husband's English. And they say, well, now we really don't understand what you're doing here. <laughs> um, so... So to, to sort of make it brief, um, I, I never had any intention of coming to Italy. I never once, even though I grew up with sort of an Italian-American family, I never, ever thought about it. I've been to Italy before uh, on holidays. So um, I had, so to, okay, I'll, I'll make it short. So I um, was finishing my, my PhD in, and I've been living in Algeria, and I'm originally from New York. I came back to New York. And when I came back to New York, because I'm from New York, I worked at a restaurant because that's what everyone in New York does, especially if they're going, going to school. And uh, at that restaurant, I met Mark, um, who was a chef. So it was very Frankie and Johnny. I was, a, you know, as a waitress and he was a chef and, and it was, you know, so it was very uh, sort of romantic in that way. I had decided that I really did not want to actually finish my PhD after doing that for 10 years and working in politics and all sorts of other things. Uh, and Mark, who had been working as a chef or in kitchens um, for 15 years before that um, and had gotten to, you know, the Michelin level, also decided that he was sort of done with it. So at that moment, we um, both sort of not really knowing each other very well and not knowing anything about what we were going to do, we thought, okay, well, let's just go and travel for a bit which for me was sort of a default position because I've been traveling places for a long time. And uh, he, had a, he had a friend who lived in Italy and who had a farm in Tuscania in this um, small town, which I'm sure we'll talk more, more about, which is about 
uh, about 100 kilometers, you know, 80 miles north of Rome. So he said, yeah, this guy gave me his card, you know, two years before. I think I still have his email address, something like that. And I was thinking I'd just go and check him out. So I said, okay, uh, let's do it. And so we did. So we left and we came to Italy for a month. Um, and whilst we were here, that friend wanted, he had an agriturismo and he offered us the chance to open a restaurant or come back and live on the farm. And I mean, honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but we really weren't doing anything else. And so we just said, okay. <laughs> and so we That's just okay. decided, See you sure, later, New York. We'll move Go back. to a farm in Italy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, New York is, I mean, I'm from, you know, when you're from New York, you just sort of have this relationship. What I've always thought about New York, you know, I, I never miss New York because New York never misses me. So, you know, New York goes on without me. Why shouldn't I go on without it? Um, and so... So so we did. So we moved after a little while in London. We moved back to London where Mark is from, stayed there for a bit. And then we came back to Italy. So we came back, we came to this to work on this project. Um, and we just kind of hit the ground running on this project, had no intention of really staying here for anything. We just sort of it was a project It was in front of us. And we went, put our heads down. And we did it. And we lived on the on on the farm for uh, 14 months in a little um, wooden cabin next to the horse stable. Um, and then we moved to a little apartment. We had an apartment that some friends of ours very generously allowed us to move into. And then we stayed, we stayed. And after the project, that project finished, we worked doing a couple of, we worked as consultants for a little family run restaurant in, in the town. Um, and we helped them kind of get the restaurant off the ground. And by that time, um, people were, because we had opened a restaurant, because we'd had this restaurant on the farm, and then because we were kind of around, people started to come to us and ask us if we would come and do private chef work, if we would come and cook for them. And so we did. Um, and then Mark uh, had worked as a private chef. I had worked as a concierge and very many other things. And so sort of without meaning to, we started this project and this company. Um, from this town and it was only about i have to say it was i think it was five years after we moved here that it actually occurred to us that we liked living here i think it took about five years to catch up <laughs> to catch up with it um <laughs> well i'm sure you were so overwhelmed like working and everything trying to just you know grasp this, grasp this new business that you put together um kind of on a whim it seems like everything just fell into place you know, compared to if somebody goes to Italy and says, oh, I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to, you know, um, get into this business. You you guys went there for this project and end up on another project in a, in a in this place that you didn't even know of before. Yeah, I think that we went I think that we had no plan. Um, and I think that Italy actually is quite a good place to go when you have no plan, because it, is, um, it, is. it absolutely they, is. Yeah, it, 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 Italy will allow you to formulate a plan and it will give you that time to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, so I appreciate, I think people who come here with a plan, amazing and wonderful. I often, many of the people that I meet who have come here with a plan have very often abandoned it um, for something that they <laughs> prefer. Um, so I think that, I th yes, I, I, yeah, it was very much... Um, happenstance and it was very much there was no intention of staying here but then at a certain point i do remember um unfortunately i, I remember i remember i remember the first time that we went back and visited family my family in the states 
And I remember, and I say unfortunately, because I remember having coffee there for the first time. And it was, it was just so, it was like, I thought, oh my God, it was just, mis it was miserable. The coffee had not changed. I had changed. <laughs> and I have had coffee every, all over the world. But I have to say that, un you know, unfortunately, something had just shifted in my brain. And I remember very well flying back into Fiumicino Airport and going to the little um, coffee bar that's just outside of Terminal 3, if anyone knows it, and having a coffee there. And it was like this sort of warm sensation that just sort of filled my, reached into, you know, into the depths of my soul. And I was so annoyed because it dawned on me that I'd never be able to live anywhere else. And that crushed me. I thought, oh, God. <laughs> and you know, it's a terrible realization. But it's, I mean, I suppose it's, it's also beautiful. But you say, oh, God, not what? But it is true. I, I, I openly admit that it was the coffee that convinced me. But so I, I think it's so interesting because you you have family family roots in Italy, not not too far from where I live on the Amalfi Coast, which is I do. which is why we actually have met here in Amalfi before. Yes. And and, uh, and so so where you where you ended up landing in this place of ama amazing coffee is somewhere between Rome and Tuscany, yes. two of the most visited places in Italy. Yes, and yet this is a place that that not very many travelers go to. So I guess, I mean, you, you mentioned that it took a while before it really hit you, but I, I was wondering what, what made you realize this was your place? So rather I, than say, for example, where your family had come from or right. that sort of thing. Um, well, I should say that my family is from, um, my family's not from the Amalfi Coast as such. I'm sure they would love no. to say that, but they're not. Nearby, I did say. <laughs> They are from inland. They are from two towns called Nocera Inferiore and Pagani, which are sort of on the other side, which do all respect to their inhabitants. But I don't think anyone would call that the Amalfi Coast. Um, and I will say that the other, my, my, my grandfather's family is from Alcamo in Sicily. So let, should they listen and should they, you know, should anyone object to that not being, not being mentioned? Um, yeah, I, I think that it is true. I mean, being here is very much, a, it, it is a very strange thing because it is one of the areas of Italy that I think people do often just not know about. And that there is this sort of void for many people, not just tourists, let's say for many people, um, I would say Italians, many of them as well, between Rome and Tuscany or Florence or Siena, um, between those very well-known areas and Rome, there is a sort of, no, you know, void space. I think Gertrude Stein said, there is no there there. She was talking about Oakland, but I think you could say the same about, about here. Um, <laughs> same thing. And, 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 and yeah, people didn't really know about it. They didn't really know too much. And I guess for me, you know, sort of being inherently a contrary sort of person who only likes things if they're incredibly difficult, um, I guess I liked that. I liked the fact that we lived in this place that was quite off the beaten path, but yet was still quite central and quite accessible. And a lot of the first clients that we had or the first things that we that we did, the first events that we did, were a lot of people who would do the circuit of, you know, Rome and then up to Florence through Tuscany, and they would stop along the way or coming back. 
Um, and they would stop and they would see these places and they would go, well, how come we don't know about these places? And of course I had no good answer. I, I don't know why you hardly know about them. I don't know why you don't know about them. Um, it's there. It's always been there. Right. Yeah. It's been here for like thousands of years, thousands. <laughs> um, so, and I think that that became quite interesting. And when the possibility did come up at certain points, the possibility did, did come up to move to different parts of Italy. Um, and that was when I really understood that I didn't want to leave here when I could. Mm. And when it was offered to me, I didn't want to. And so I think that it, 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 it sort of grew, it sort of really did grow on, on me. And, and, and I think on both of us, on Mark and myself, but, and I think there is something here, you know, apart obviously from the friendships that we've made with people here that we have, you know, that are very important, obviously, um, and our network of people, yeah, I think there is something here that feels quite, I, 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 I don't want to use the word authentic because I think it's not really fair. I think all of the, everything's authentic, but I think there is something here that does sort of feel as though you're living in quite a real place and, and things feel quite, it feels quite like a home. Yeah, that, there's a lot to be said about a place where where you feel like there's something to to discover. Yeah, and of course, like you said, that's true anywhere. But there's something about certain places that have that air about it. Yeah, and 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 I think there's there there is something there is something wonderful as well about being able to bring people here, not just our clients, but with with friends or with family who come and visit to bring people here who have in their mind certain fixed points of. Italy, and with good reason, you know, that they think of Rome, and they think of Venice, and they think of Florence, and they think of La Costiera, and they think of, you know, maybe Naples. So they think of these places with very good reason, because they're important places. But to bring them to another place and another region, and to give them that experience as well, I think that I think that then people come back with something a bit different, and they feel, they feel kind of as if they've lived something too. Um, and I think that that became really important for us as well when we were doing, um, when we were developing the idea of, of, of what we wanted to do with, with the business and with our lives, that we wanted to, um, we wanted it to be something a little bit more than arranging a tour for people where they would hit those points, of course, hit those points as well and those famous points, but also to see something and to, to go outside of what they were expecting, even when they first came there. And, um, and that's a nice thing to be able to do because I think, and I know that Cassandra, you've said this in many contexts, and I think you're very right. I think that, you know, Italy is one of these places that I think you know, the people people think they know it well yeah. because it's because it's so famous, because it's so popular, because it's such a destination, and 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 all of those things are true. But it is also some place that will continually surprise you and will continually be more than what you thought it would be, and and much more interesting. Than, than than we might than we might have previously thought and that's that's something I think that does make it worth the the it makes it worth living here you know to to, to sort of see those things and to live that and to and to have it be interesting um, plus it's never as crowded as it is for you Laura so I can always get to the grocery store and stuff <laughs> that's true and there's more than one road which there's more can than be. one road. Can be and helpful at times. There's more than one road. There's very few mudslides. It's all in all, <laughs> logistically. 
a good place. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me because as a fellow New Yorker, so your family from the Bronx, correct? Originally? No, my family. Well, my family's from my family's my my family's from my mom's from Staten Island, oh, and Staten my dad's Island. from Brooklyn. Uh, you know, my dad's from uh, my family's from South Brooklyn, and my dad grew up in Bensonhurst. Um, yeah, it's it's. I almost was going to ask, like, how did you end up, like, right. you know, go from a place right. like New York to this? And then I'm like, I answered, you know, I answered my own question uh, before you answered my question before I even asked the question, because when you live in New York, you have this ability. I don't know what it is to uh, to change lifestyles many times. Uh, you know, New York itself, people don't realize it's just a city. I'm on Long Island currently. Long Island is very different than Staten Island. So, um yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me that uh, you picked up and went from a city life uh, to a countryside life, I guess, in general. Well, let me just say that the path was, it was not a straight line by any means. And so um, I also, so I left, I left New York for the first time when I was, uh, I was about 20, 21, 21. Now I'm 42, so about half my life ago. And then I traveled, uh, through different, I traveled through Southeast Asia, and then I traveled in Central America and Southern Africa. I traveled a whole bunch of places, uh, and I lived in in a, in a few different <laughs> continents. Um, and so, but but so I so I lived in a lot of different places before before we finally came here. But but you're right that I mean, although I did adapt to so many different places, I must say that I never like I never wanted to live outside of a city. I never thought that it would be. I never thought that I would. I thought that I needed, you know, I thought, I mean, you're, you're from New York, Cassandra, you like, I thought I needed like, like, um, con collective air conditioner sound to <laughs> or sleep. Or like my cousin Vinny, when he sleeps better <laughs> in the jail than in the movie, my cousin Vinny, <laughs> he sleeps better in the jail than the country. Yeah. Like the I mean, just, you know, noise, right. Like noise, like sort of amb the ambient noise of like, you know, um, uh, I won't be so dramatic as to say things like sirens or gunshots because it really isn't that I remember. It was like air <laughs> conditioners, like like 600,000 air conditioners all at once going on. There's like this hum in the back of it. And I think that, I think that, um, yeah, I, coming, coming to a small town, first living on a farm and then a small town was a very different kind of thing. And I think actually uh, kind of, it it was actually kind of beautiful for me. I think I appreciate it a lot now. I appreciate it much more than 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 I ever thought I would. Um, and now I think about going to going to live in a city, and I think, oh, but you know, what am I? You know, oh my god, that noise. Maybe it's a function of getting old now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> my, my, I can relate though. I I, I know. I'm like, oh, where's the sound oh. of the sea? I need the sound of the sea from being on the Amalfi Coast and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it does. It does sort of change. It has. It has. My 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 calculus has changed a bit. But, 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 but that's those, those things happen. I suppose that's that's the way it happens. You are right, though. I think we can adapt pretty well. Yeah, I mean, with that being said, um, sort of just going on to the next question, but with the same idea in mind, why should you know travelers visit? What do you tell your clients when they say? you know, why should I visit uh, the countryside between Rome and Tuscany? What are what some of the, hi the highlights you say? I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically a site or, you know, a place, but what is it um, that they can experience there? 
So um, very often when we have clients who, um, who get in contact with us and then they want to come and they say they want to come to Italy, we always want, we always tell, you know, we're obviously we don't force people into um, any itineraries. And that's part of what we do is to be able to work with, you know, work with anyone and, and, and whatever um, request or whatever bucket list or whatever ideas people have will work to make that happen. But we do always try to get them to come here for a certain part of that. And, and yeah, we do tell them, again, it is something where, because it's not quite as commercialized, and there's nothing wrong with the commercial aspects of, 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 you know, of the tourism industry. I mean, there's certainly, there's certainly plenty of pluses about it, but because it is not that way here so much, you really do get a chance to not so much travel through, but you get a chance to actually visit and be in people's homes and get to know people and have experiences with people that even though you may spend a day with them, you can form these sorts of bonds where you actually feel quite connected to them um, because they're letting you into their lives here they're 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 they you know people are not so much um perform you know performing a sort of um professional job and i don't mean that to knock on their work but they are giving you a sense of letting you in their lives people run their businesses out of their homes they their families like like many places their families are all involved in the business so you may end up you know hanging out with their family for the day or getting to meet a grandmother or things like that so so because of that, there is something a little bit spontaneous as well about coming here and traveling through here. And that's what we like to have people experience when they come here, a little bit of that spontaneity of being in a situation where you don't really know what can happen. You don't, you don't really know what's going to happen. You're going to have some sort of a kind of adventure, but of course a controlled adventure that we were always, we will always be standing behind you ready to translate or ready to bail you out of jail or whatever it needs to happen. But, whatever happens, you, you run away with all the cheese. You go to the, you get so excited. Right, you know, you, whatever it is. I mean, you, cause there is cheese and olive oil and everything there, right? Yes, this, this area is very well known for canino olive oil and is, you know, very delicious. There's a lot of really great pecorino, which a friend of ours is a very good friend of ours is a pecorino, um, is a, is a, makes pecorino and is beautiful. There's tons of great wine um, around the area and especially near, as we're, we're very close to the border with Tuscany. We're also very close to the border with Umbria. We're sort of in this little triangle. One of our partners and one of our collaborators is a winemaker named Sergio Motura, who is in Civitella d'Aliano, so it's just on the border of Umbria, and they make some of the best wine in Italy, really. So, and then there's, so, so there are those things that are, that, that, you know, it's very difficult to find bad olive oil or cheese or wine in this area. Um, but then you also have, you know, here, one of the great things here, one of the things we do with people is there's a lot of thermal baths around here. There's a lot of hot springs. Mm. Um, and probably just as abundant as, you know, other parts of the country for, you know, for which is much more well known. Um, we don't quite have the thermal parks in Ischia, like they have in Ischia, which are like, you know, Disneyland for Disneyland for <laughs> baths. <laughs> but, but there are some really beautiful, you know, and just in Viterbo near where, we live in the province, which are right next to you. I mean, I'm sure that you guys have seen and many people have seen the um, Saturnia in Tuscany, the Cascate del Mul de Mulini. Mm. And that's, I mean, even though that's in Tuscany, it's about, you know, 50 miles from here, but I mean, that's, you know, and, and it's quite beautiful. 
50 miles south, you have all of these incredible unknown, you know, much less well-known and um, um, much more kind of wild, natural terme and thermal baths that come around and some that are very well curated. And anybody who's listening, you probably know uh, that bath. It's probably, I would say it's probably the most famous Instagram thermal, natural thermal bath. Would you say? <laughs> it's highly Instagrammable. Yeah. It's I've highly been, Instagrammable. I, I, yeah, I prefer is. to take yeah. photos um, even pre-COVID. But so just so everybody knows who's listening to give you an idea of where it is com in comparison to where G uh, Virginia is. You can call me Ginger. It's okay. Or Virginia. <laughs> that it's Ginger's her nickname. So it, we keep calling her Virginia, but Laura and I call her Ginger. So you'll see a, a slip every once in a while. I'm it's sorry. fine. Perfectly fine. Um, yeah, they are highly Instagrammable. I will tell you, though, that they're, you know, they're not quite, they're not really that warm because, you know, all the good water has to go over to like the golf course and like all those good big luxury hotels. <laughs> Whereas down here, you know, there really are, I mean, down here there's the, um, there is the there are you know these um sources which are you know thousands of years old and 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 because it's you know the terme de papi which is in viterbo was um part of you know was this pope's bath because of course the vatican or the the pope lived uh lived in viterbo for a little while i don't think i knew that um at the at the papal palace yes friends Friends in so the Pope was a while, you know, the the papal the papacy left Rome for a little while. They went over to France. They were in Avignon, and then afterwards they they busted out of France. I mean, this is the official version, so they busted out of France. That is a highly sort of technical term. Uh, and then they came down to Viterbo, and they were in the Palazzo dei Papi in the papal palace. It's very beautiful, um, and it's very well intact and been restored and been maintained and the 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 medieval center of viterbo is one of the most one of the biggest in europe and beautiful and it's very it's incredibly beautiful and uh, so the legend goes i'm going to very much butcher the legend but so the legend goes that um when they had to go in and find a new pope you know the papacy all the people they, they locked themselves in the in the conclave waiting for the white smoke to come out and whatnot. And they were there for so long and they were taking all of the food from the people in the town. And at a certain point, the people in the town had had enough and they rioted and they kicked, the, they just forced them out. And then I believe they may have lifted the roof off of the palace to just get them out. You have to smoke you know, them out. Sort of, maybe that's where the white smoke comes from. You know, they just smoke them out. <laughs> they just, you know, to try and to try and find a new place. But it is true. It is true. Yeah. And so the Papal Palace is a beautiful. Viterbo itself is is a, is a is a gorgeous town. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, we've done a lot of great work there. Um, and brought people there. We actually have a wonderful group of people who, unfortunately, this um, you know, in this period, have not been able to come. It's a group of um, professors and students and researchers all in the philosophy of physics. Wow. Yeah. And we, um, through friends of ours, friend, a good friend of mine uh, brought this group. And so every year they came to Viterbo and we got, you know, a spot in the paper. They had a spot sort of in the papal complex. And then 60, 60 or so people would come from all over the world. All of these philosophers of it, I mean, just unbelievably brilliant people that is just so brilliant that we have, we just had no idea what they were saying, like that brilliant. But you just look at them and think, oh my God, you're so smart. I have no idea what you said, but you're so smart. And, um, and they would take, you know, sort of 
come to this town and stay in Viterbo and we would get them in, you know, in B&Bs and in, and in um, guest houses and hotels and stuff all over the medieval town. And they would just be there for a few days and have these wonderful intellectual, unbelievable, you know, unbelievable conversations that they would have in this beautiful setting. So doing things like that is something that I think is so wonderful because you can do those things here. It is, a, it is the sort of place that will let you do those things, um, specifically this area, uh, because you, you know, because it isn't so developed. It isn't so difficult to find towns where you can find, it's just developed enough. There are enough hotel rooms for everyone, but they're not booked all the time. <laughs> so, Perfect. Um, yeah, so, so, so things like that, I think make it really worthwhile to be here and to build a business here because you really can find these beautiful little hidden corners. Uh, that really make things, you know, I'm sure the philosophers of physics, the philosophy of physics would be interesting anywhere, but how much better is it when you're in a papal palace? I mean, <laughs> it's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be at least 30% better. <laughs> you know, that's what I tell myself. So, I understood nothing. Well, and so for, let's say for everyday travelers. <laughs> not philosophers of physics. You yeah. Say. Yeah. Oh, okay. well, I mean, also for them, but not specifically yes. for them. What, what would you say could you do could you find these special places on a day trip to 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 your area to Tusha or to Viterbo could you do that on a day trip from Rome sure. or places yeah, in Tuscany yeah. oh, absolutely. or is it better to to go and I mean of course it's always better to go and stay but is it if you don't have the time is it possible to do a day trip yeah I think I think if you're I mean for me anyway in any situation like if you're going from Rome to Florence, if, that, if you just want to make the classic, you know, grand tour and do Rome, Florence, Venice, for example, you definitely have time to be able to stop off, particularly if you're driving, to stop off and go, you know, check out, yeah, check out Tusha, check out Tuscania, where we lived for the first, you know, the first few years that we were here in this little sort of beautiful town. Um, you know, check out Viterbo, go to the Papal Palace, have a drink. Uh, or there's Civita di Bagnoreggio, oh, yeah. which is uh, quite famous now. is very famous. That's probably one of the that's probably one of the most famous. Everyone I know is probably looking at. Is you're going to hear this and go, how could you not mention Civita di Bagnoreggio? Like, first? yeah, my mom really wants to go there. So do I. Everybody, that's the hilltop town. Sorry, I'm I'm putting you know a little bit of um, image to the to the name, so everybody because everybody knows it. I'm sure. Right. So it's a it's a hill it's a hilltop. It's a well it's a town that's not just it's a town that's in the 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 Kalanki, so the, the chalk, the limestone cliffs town. So it's basically within it's in the valley on its own little mountain or its own little hill. Um and the only way to get there is through a very narrow, rather high um bridge that is mostly pedestrian. I think a few apes and motorcycles could potentially mopeds could pass through. Um, and for many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, it was, um, it was abandoned and there were very few people that lived there. Even when we moved, I think there was only about 12 people living in the town, maybe if that, maybe 10, 12 people. Um, and then slowly it has been repopulated a bit with people who have put some, refurbished some homes and restored some beautiful places. And then now it's become quite a tourist attraction. As I understand it, the, um, the movie, The Castle in the Clouds, was based on Chivita di Bagnoreggio, which is the um, the Miyazaki film, like a um, Japanese, a very famous oh. Japanese anime, was based on that. The castle in the clouds was based on Chivita di Bagnoreggio. So check it out, and um, it's very beautiful. 
It's very beautiful. And even to look at it from afar is, 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 is very beautiful. Yes, I mean, you can absolutely do, um, you can absolutely do a day trip on your way through from Rome to Florence um, and really get a sense of it and spend the day. Absolutely, you know, if you don't feel like staying, if you don't feel like staying for overnight, you can, you can easily do it. If you do feel like staying overnight, you wanna call, call me up and we'll hang out. <laughs> we'll go get in some trouble. Hit up all your we'll all the pecorino. Go get some of that pecorino <laughs> cheese. <Florida. Yeah. laughs> Cassandra and I are we'll on the same cheese. like cheese wavelength. We'll get some cheese. We'll get some cheese. We'll get some wine. We'll get some olive oil. We'll go to the lake. You know, we'll get up to some stuff. Uh, we'll get in some trouble. Yes, yeah, there are some beautiful lakes in the area. There is some beautiful lakes. We now live right near the um, Bolsena Lake, which is the largest volcanic lake in Europe. Uh, it is very beautiful. And actually, a bit of trivia. I think Laura knows this already, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wow you with a bit of trivia. <laughs> Feel free to edit this out. <laughs> but actually, um, the the man that the tale of the of Beauty and the Beast is based on is a man named Petrus Gonsalves, and he was Spanish. French brought he was he was purchased by by um, Catherine de Medici all of these things and he was just sort of you know he was literally had that con this condition and I don't remember the name of the condition but you know he was quite covered in hair and he and then was married to a princess and he became like a noble person in the court of the Medicis for as, as far as I understand it again superficial and um had seven children, four of whom carried on his genetic condition. And then after traveling, and I think he lived in Torino for a while, but after traveling, he settled in Capo di Monte, which is a town just on the lake, on Bolsena Lake, just over here. He settled there um, and lived to the ripe old age of, I believe, 80 or 85 or something like that, and lived his whole life here. There's no record of what he did. The story ends there. It's anticlimactic. However, there is a slight claim to fame. There is a claim to fame. And there you go. And also, I mean, to be fair, also, Touche is not simply known for the guy for whom Beauty and the Beast, it's not known at all for that. Um, but it is quite known as well for Pasolini, who Pasolini, the, uh, you know, very brilliant Italian filmmaker, actually spent a lot of time here and he owned uh, a tower the Torre di Kia, which is Kia is not far from us either, and filmed a lot of, uh, filmed some different films here. So filmed in Tuscania, uh, where we lived before, filmed a number of, of his films and filmed all around the area. So was also very fond of, of, the, of the whole region. So yeah, I mean, it is actually one of those places that like, it's sort of like, I guess it's not an sort of entry level, but if you do know a bit more about Italy or you really are interested in Italy you'll find tons of things here that you'll think how is that even possible to know that um or that a person lived here and that's so cool and it is a, a place to really discover a lot of interesting little tidbits and facts like Petrus Gonsalves you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> I really well, tried to it, find it, out with more. that <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm. And gonna... you thought we were going to talk about the Etruscans? No. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there's also the Etruscan stuff. Yes, the Etruscans were also from around here. Very, very true. The Etruscans were around here as well. Just come, just come, hang out. It'll be better. We'll have much more time. 
Well, that was going to be, I mean, the last question was going to be what inspires you about this place, but I think you've kind of answered it. Um, anything from Beauty and the Beast to Etruscans to the Pecorino cheese, but if there is really Pasolini, <laughs> if there is anything um, that you miss, what is one thing or one aspect that just, you know, stays with your soul? Because, you know, everybody, when it comes to Italy, they're looking for that aspect of the place they visit that just they just connect to is there one thing in particular if not you know no pressure but okay I, I don't feel any pressure <laughs> no I do I do I feel tremendous <laughs> pressure um I think honestly um I think that I can say this for Italy for the country as a, as a whole in, in in my experience but I think particularly here um I think what is quite inspiring and and and, and very touching about this area is that it is very much um it's very human it's incredibly human um and it's very much on that sort of scale people interact with each other people look each other in the eye um sometimes it's it's not quite that beneficial because sometimes you have to wait until the right person is at their desk to be able to get your residence permit which I speak <laughs> it's not like I speak from experience or anything <laughs> but um like all of Italy but 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 yet in that sense and yes sometimes perhaps you know an overabundance of humanity is not the most efficient thing but it is really the thing that is worth doing isn't it I mean it is worth it, it is worth it to to live someplace and to be someplace where people are very much human beings and you never forget it and they and 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 that's always evident in them. Um, and it means that in the end, you know, in this in, in, in difficult circumstances that we faced, and, you know, now being one of those difficult circumstances, people didn't let each other down, at least not my experience. People didn't let, you know, or, or anyone that I really knew, people didn't let each other down. They didn't let each other be forgotten. And they didn't let each other feel that alone. And I think that that comes from that. Maybe it does come from the fact that, you know, there is a sense of communities needing to fend for themselves. But I think that people don't let it get in the way of, of really remaining quite, quite open to being human beings. And they're funny. You know, they're funny. It's funny. Um, it's funny to live here. It's funny to live here. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> well, and I think there's a pace of life as well that here, and that's one thing that I like about the Amalfi Coast, having different seasons, is if mm. it was full intense as August all year long, it would be too much for me. But because it has a quieter winter season. Right. Yeah, I mean, you. what it means is that below, for me, like uncover, it's like layers is how I think about it here, where, you know, where underneath it all, there is that humanity and that connection and that, but there are a lot of layers to get through, especially when it's really busy and everyone's busy and, it's it's just crazy, right? But so I feel like some places, in some sense, right. just have fewer right. layers. I, I also think um, I th what I do find, I think I should say, if it's not inspiring, it has least at least changed me profoundly. I should say that I cannot leave my house without wearing a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> my neck um, has become the most vulnerable part of my body because should I catch a bit of air... It will spell my death. Um, so that has become an essential. I wear scarves inside the house sometimes. Me too. I'm not wearing a scarf now, but only because, you know, 
I wanted to kind of present myself. Um, so I think that I think that that has profoundly changed me. Um, I never thought so much about my neck before as I have since I've lived here, but I'm so concerned with it at any given moment. I am terrified that something should, that any air will escape onto it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I have learned how to measure my time based on the point at which I am in my meal consumption of the day. So we will now make appointments or I live my life, you know, after breakfast, before lunch, after lunch, around lunchtime, because that's the way that everything works here. Everything is organized based on, you know, like there's always, and not just because everything's closed over lunch, but it's like, you know, there's prima di pranzo and then there's l'ora di pranzo, dopo pranzo, la merenda, l'aperitivo. <laughs> and you have to organize your day that way. Like nobody says, I'll meet you at 11 o'clock. They're like, ci vediamo prima di pranzo. And you're like, okay, like 11 o'clock, like 11. <laughs> you know, because you know that you need a certain bit of time. Prendi un caffè, sì, dopo, dopo pranzo. So you know it's like 4 o'clock, or 4 or 5 o'clock or something like that. So, so, so we've, so, which is nice because we've taken the external measure of time of the clock, which was imposed upon us, I think, by the Gregorians in the 12th century. Once again, I mean, I come to you as a historian with utter accurate facts. <laughs> And we have removed it in favor of when am I eating? When will I eat? And how long since I've last eaten? And, <laughs> and, and that's a beautiful way to measure time. It is. I think that's a wonderful way to measure time. And I very much appreciate it. It's what we call la dolce vita. <laughs> is it? I mean, you know, it's very inefficient. It's highly inefficient. Let's be clear. It's highly inefficient. But it is just a very, you know. We've 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 broken the chains of externalized time, but of course now we are ruled by what am I having for dinner? Well, that's the thing. You also have to factor in the planning. What am I having oh, for lunch? Oh, of course. What am I having for dinner? Yes. What are we having for lunch tomorrow? <laughs> well, what do you do in those periods before and after? Oh, come on, of course, of course, it's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, this will continue. So I appreciate that. <laughs> this will continue that theme a little bit, but uh, instead of our regular question at the end of every podcast on this episode we're going to end with a lightning round of surprise questions okay <laughs> but there will only be three so so don't worry about it but however they are really important questions okay so are you ready to, are you ready to go i'm not afraid okay so they're just going to be three. no i'm not ready to <laughs> it's just three it's just three <laughs> questions okay and you just have a few seconds to answer Again, no pressure. I'm terrified. Okay. I'm terrified. Okay, if we had a, a imaginary drum roll, here we go. Number one, favorite pasta dish. Favorite pasta dish, trofe al pesto. Ooh, that was a good one. Not what I expected, but I'm excited. Okay. The original with the potatoes and the beans. So hungry right now. Um, lunchtime in New York. Negroni or spritz? Negroni. Ooh. And if you could have only one pastry in all of Italy, what would it be and where from? Oh, that is not fair because you guys know this already. <laughs> it would be a pasticciotto at the Gran Cafe with with you guys, with the two of you. So, ding, ding, ding. I was right. Whole, <laughs> I called that one. Whole context. <laughs> but but it's, a, it's a specific context. We all need to be there together. If I'm just there alone, I just look like, you know, I just, I just look like a sad, lonely old a woman with a scarf on her neck <laughs> who doesn't have a watch. Who doesn't have a watch because she doesn't believe in time anymore. <laughs> She's talking to people about the Pope and the hairy man upon which Beauty and the Beast was based. And nobody, nobody wants that. Yeah, don't, no, don't worry. I'd be there. Uh, 
Appreciate it. Well, Ginger, thank you so much for joining us on the Rediscover Italy podcast and for sharing so much about this really intriguing part of Italy that you call home. Come visit. You know we're all going to, yeah, we're going to come visit you now. Come to Tushan. (laughs) And no offense, I I need no Tushan dishes, my favorite, but (laughs) it was a lightning round. I was under so much pressure. Well, we will Please. definitely uh, remember that when we go to a restaurant and do a Tusha. No, we're, we're just, we're excited. Um, we're definitely going to come visit you. And uh, thank you for sharing all your knowledge. And uh, thank you. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, ladies, with everyone. Because if anybody's got knowledge, it's you two. <laughs> we so we're all, we're all grateful. Well, and thank you all to the listeners also for being here with us. Thank you, listeners, uh, for tolerating me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we loved it. We're, we're so excited um, to, uh, if in the future episodes, stay tuned. We'll be bringing Mark on as well, Ginger's husband. We'll t- be going um, a little bit more into the world of food and what they do as concierge and chefs together. But for now, thank you so much for listening. Um, And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play so you don't miss any future episodes. And you'll find all of our listening options and more on our website, www.rediscoveritalypodcast.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter and find links to our social media, where we hope that you'll join us and share even more of the Italy that we all love. And please do share the podcast with your friends and family. And if you have a chance, uh, please leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget, we are still taking questions um, for from you that we'll answer at the end of each podcast. So send us a message on social media or email them directly to rediscoveritalypodcast at gmail.com. Grazie and a presto. A presto. <laughs>